0: On this episode, we are diving back into the world of Harry Potter as he encounters Year Five and The Order of the Phoenix. This book is dark, the intro to the film is darker, and we are going in. If you have somehow avoided watching this film or reading this novel, we'd skip to another episode. Just keep your head on a swivel and watch out for any rogue Dementors on the way.
1: Welcome back to Page Rage. Welcome back, everyone. Ashley, what are you reading right now? I don't even know what you're reading. We're on full countdown
0: mode before vacay
1: and it is crunch time.
0: Um, Reading's been a little tough for me right now, but I'm reading a lot of nonsense as a result. So I, I honestly don't even know what I was reading. I was reading something called Legacies. It was just some like gossip girl with killers nonsense. (laughs) So I did read something called, I think it's called Big Gay Wedding. And it was amazing. I don't really know how to describe it. But it was it was not what I was expecting it to be. But it was really good. Um, It definitely is sad in quite a few parts as well. But Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. And the guy who wrote it is actually husbands with I think his name is Stephen Rowley. He did like the Gunkle that book. Oh, okay. Yeah, so and I didn't realize that till I got to the end and I was like, "Oh, that's so fun." And the author of Big Gay Wedding, he was also Carrie Fisher's personal assistant back in the day, and so his very first book is actually based on uh some of his experiences with her. It's also fiction, but I'm going to go back and read that. That's cool.
1: I'm reading Silver Nitrate and I'm just gonna say it. I don't think I like that author. It's the same author oh, who did no, no, no. Mexican Gothic, and I DNF that because I just couldn't stand the way she wrote. And I am seven chapters deep, and I still am unsure as to what is going on in this book. That's I just, true. I really am trying to like it because everybody has great things to say. It's not going well
0: for me. I have that one in my net galley, but it's just sitting in there, so <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'm so fried. I don't even open that galley anymore. I'm so stressed.
1: I dnf Mexican Gothic. I'm going to give this another four chapters and then I may just call it quits.
0: And that is okay to do. Yeah.
1: Let's get into this week's episode. One of our favorite comfort reads, Harry Potter. As the most angsty books of the series, Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix was released in June 2003. Harry and the crew are back for their fifth year at Hogwarts and are knee-deep in puberty hormones. Lord have mercy. Harry is feeling very neglected by everyone, per usual, especially by his besties, Ron and Hermione. Little does he know that things are about to get real dark and shit is about to go down. All right, Ash, Rage or Rave, where does this rank on your HP
0: spectrum? <laughs> HP Spectre. It sounds like we're talking about a printer, but <laughs> um. <laughs> I like this one, and it was funny prepping for this book because I never realized how much like backlash there was about the length of the book, and a lot of people feel like it's one of the weakest in the series. I don't know if I feel like this one is the weakest in the series. I feel like a lot happened in this book, and I feel like the world was expanded in this book. Um, but I do understand it from like. <laughs> The angsty teenage mm-hmm. parts of this book. I was mm-hmm. like, Harry, <laughs> we get it. You're an emo boy with your bangs and you're sad. You know, we get it. You're in that vibe. But it was, I do agree that some of that could have been cut out and I would have understood still what was happening. But the past couple books have just opened with so much like, "Whoa, is me. I'm like Harry, like you're allowed to be sad. He's been through a lot, but it's very angsty. <laughs> What about you? What were your thoughts on this one?
1: When I first read this in 2003, I remember this being my least favorite book of the series. But it had one of my favorite scenes in the series, aka Neville, I brought it hard from my long bottom. So it was... We a weird relationship i remember finishing this book and being like i didn't like this and then when i reread it i completely take all that back that was the eyes of a child because i was like this book is actually really really good this is a really solid book that gave a lot more detail umbridge as a villain i personally was like i would rather deal with voldemort than umbridge at certain times (laughs) because she was legit crazy And also, I really think, like, if we would have kept going with her and Fudge, she would have, like, basic instinct his
0: ass. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or, like, warm his skin. Mm -hmm. Like, something crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree, though. I think this book, opposite of what we experienced, or at least I experienced, with Prisoner of Azkaban, where, like, there's a lot of things about it I don't like now. This one, I agree. It was kind of the opposite. I think there were just themes and things I could relate to more now as an adult than I probably did whenever this came out and I was a teenager. So and there was also a lot of really pivotal scenes in this book mm-hmm. that just created the chaos for the, you know, the the end, the end mm-hmm. of where the saga is going. So it's an important book. There's a lot happening, but I I still like it.
1: I agree. I think also, Harry, towards the middle, there are certain things that keep popping in that I think kind of shakes him out of the, oh, maybe this isn't just about me. There's other people Mm -hmm. who have dealt some blows. And I don't, we'll get into this later, but I don't think that showed a lot in the movie. But I think it was a good character growth book for Harry.
0: I think it was a good character growth book for many of the main characters. Mm -hmm. And I think we got to appreciate Um, Some of the adult characters who have been like minor supporting characters and definitely kind of solidified their place in this in this universe in this book. All right. Well, this book kicks off, of course, like we said, emo boy Harry. Uh, But as per usual, there is something catastrophic that happens. uh, And that is a Dementor attack, which is actually really intense and quite scary. And little whinging. Um, Dudley is actually part of it. He's almost killed. And Harry, of course, casts a Patronus charm and is then threatened with immediate expulsion by a talking letter. Do you think that this was fair? Given no. Uh,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> I this for Harry. shit luck, man. <laughs> I'm glad there was a whole trial. I would have been pissed as shit. you trying to expel me for saving my life and my shithead of a cousin's life? Get out of here.
0: I think the full tribunal, though, was a bit much like we went uh, a little far. I think this could have been a little, you know, chat (laughs) in an office. I don't think it needed this, but I mean... You know, Fudge is trying to establish his political dominance because this book, I would say, was very political out of all of them. I, I understand what he's trying to do here. And he's hoping that if he just completely discredits Harry, nobody will believe what he's saying, which is stupid. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think we we went to the utmost extreme here. Also died. I remember reading the book about Miss Mrs. Fig and finding out that she's been a squid <laughs> this whole time. And I thought that was the funniest thing of all time. As much as I obviously do not respect J.K. Rowling, I do appreciate at this point, this in her writing, the way that she can tie in these tiny little Side characters that you think mean nothing and then make them so Mm -hmm. relevant in the story.
1: To go back to the tribunal, and I'm just wondering why nobody stood up. I was like, does anybody else think this is overkill? He's 14. This is crazy. I would have been like, this could have been an email. Mm -hmm. This could have been an owl. I don't need to be here. I would have thrown the utmost fit. If this was written in today's world, somebody would have stood up and be like, this could have been an owl and like walked out. That would have been actually (laughs) really funny. Okay. Well, in the beginning, After Dudley comes back all shaken from the Dementors, and he's saved by his cousin, who everybody hates, um, Petunia has a little bit of an opening moment where she talks about Lily. What did you think of Petunia and did you want to hear more about her shared childhood with her sister?
0: I think those are some of my favorite little bits. And we get a lot of that in these next few books. But it's the moments that we see with Petunia where you kind of start understanding a lot of her frustration with Lily is truly jealousy because she didn't get to be a part of that world. So she kind of just decided, well it's ridiculous. And I'm just you know going to act accordingly because I wasn't able to be a part of it. I think you see a lot more about Petunia and her sister's relationship. I definitely wanted more. I hope Mm -hmm. that when this show becomes a thing, obviously, everybody's on strike right now. So nothing is happening anytime soon. I hope when it does become a thing, um, we get to explore some of these side relationships. And because I think you miss that when you only watch the films, you don't get to see why we're so obsessed with certain characters or the intricacy of all these relationships and you see it in the book. But what about you? I
1: always thought, yes, obviously Petunia was super jealous of Lily because she wasn't able to be a witch or wizard. And I always thought that maybe subconsciously or maybe consciously hated herself for how she treated her sister and her sister ended up dying. And there's a constant reminder of what a piece of shit sister she was. And that, Fueled the fire of why she was so awful to him because she hated herself for how she did her sister. Because from what we read, the very small snippets, Lily loved her sister very, mm-hmm. very much. I always wanted to see a little bit more background on Petunia because I was like, you guys aren't doing her, and and she's a great actress. I, I love think her. Of, I cannot think of her name, I but she's absolutely love great.
0: Her. Yeah, she's in Killing Eve too, and I'm obsessed. Well, I've I've mentioned this a couple times already, but in this book, we are introduced to what I would consider a more adult world. We get to see the inner workings of the Order of the Phoenix. We get to see a lot more of the interpersonal relationships between a lot of the adults that have just kind of been supporting characters to the cast of literal children um, in these novels. (laughs) What were your thoughts on 12 Grimmauld Place and the adult's role in this novel?
1: I had a lot of thoughts Um, that moment when they were like, you're not her, you're not his mother. And she's like, I might as well be. I was like, yeah, she might as well be. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. I mean, in my head, I was like, serious, you just came in here two books ago, bro. Sit down. I will die on this hill. Lupin deserved better. Like he was calm, cool, collected, intelligent as hell. He should have just been leading the charge on everything. I don't know why he wasn't the one getting listened to the adults in the situation, I think they got a lot more depth in this book than they have any other
0: book. Yeah, I I mean, that's this is one of the things I really loved about this book is that we did start seeing the adults and the role that they played and the role that they played in the past, we saw how everyone was so interconnected. You know, we start I know we'll talk about it, but we got to see like how Neville's parents were interconnected into all of this, and how, you know, serious his family and like why it was such a big deal that he made the choices he did Um, because they're literally sitting in the belly of like basically dark wizards (laughs) in this house, like just surrounded by their (laughs) artifacts, which is so effing funny, by the way. Um, But it's interesting because you get like a little bit of a sneak peek like behind enemy lines, it feels like. So I thought this book was really important because of that. We do see the dynamic between the Order of the Phoenix. It's funny seeing how they interact in the house versus when they're like in the Ministry of Magic and uh, Kingsley and Mr. Weasley are like, you know, kind of like being bitchy towards each other. And then Mr. Weasley's like, oh, but Molly's making meatballs. If you can get out at <laughs> seven. like I really liked this dynamic. I thought it was really cool. And honestly, it made everything more realistic because especially as we get towards the end of this book, I am so sorry, but these kids are not taking down these... Freaking death eaters and no. there is no fucking shot. So we needed no. this to happen. You can only use stupefy so many times. Oh, no many <laughs> times. And really on Like you're only gonna get so far. And we saw them do it in the movie, and it's like, uh, oh, you need a little backup here. You can't even like disapparate, like nothing. So, for fuck's sake. So it was it was nice to see some reality in in this. Uh, and yes, yeah, see the the different personalities and just kind of like the roles they all played. I do agree about Lupin. I think Lupin was, I don't think we got enough of Lupin. But at the same time, he did not have the personality to be like the person in charge. <laughs> we'll get into this later.
1: But in the movie, I was like, how many times are you guys going to stupefy these people?
0: There's only so much wobbly, fat least- bogey things we can do out here. At least learn something silly. Like, what can I do to, like, shoot out, like, a giant glob of mm-hmm. slime so they, like, can't move? You know what I mean? Like, something funny. Like, bring in the Nickelodeon slime. Do something like that. Without that, like, water bubble thing that, like, um, Dumbledore did to Voldemort in the movie towards mm-hmm. the end where Voldemort mm-hmm. is just stuck. Like, where is that? How do we do that? Like, that was fun. So. It goes
1: back to their lack of a defense of the dark arts teaching.
0: <laughs> i know i know education is key here
1: oh my god a girl should just taught them both i'm sorry she should have just handled it
0: clearly she's the only one like doing her fucking job (laughs) but anyway anyway
1: okay well we are talking about we meet several new additions to the cast of characters in the order who is your favorite new character
0: Reading this as a child, Tonks was my absolute <laughs> favorite. I loved everything about her. She was so cool. I loved like the changing color hair and all of this stuff. I loved that <laughs> Nymphadora is like her actual name. I liked her vibe. She just seemed like a really fun person to be around. And she was definitely my favorite character. She was also the one that I was most excited to see in like the movie because mm-hmm. I was obsessed with her. So
1: as a kid, I can't say, I think. Luna was probably... My favorite when I read it, but when it came to on screen, it's definitely Bellatrix.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, just knowing she was casted, Helena Bonham Carter, and like knowing she was casted, it was like, oh my God. Like, I was very excited to see it. I don't love Bellatrix, obviously, no. <laughs> especially in the book. you like, I fucking hate you. But yeah, seeing her on screen, you're like, you're not rooting for her, but you're like, I love you. But you're like, no, great. you're awful. I know, but it's not. You're awful, but I love you. I'm so yeah.
1: confused. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, The reason I like Luna so much is she was a Ravenclaw in the book. Yeah. And you got yeah. a much more in-depth character of somebody outside of Gryffindor. Gryffindor. So I like that they pulled in somebody outside
0: besides Draco, who is the shithead. We mm-hmm. did need somebody outside of Gryffindor. I mean, obviously, we are Gryffindors. We mm-hmm. ride or die for Gryffindor, but like, we needed a different yeah. perspective that wasn't just, ew, you're a Slytherin, we hate you. It actually would have been really cool if it was a Slytherin. I would have mm-hmm. actually probably enjoyed seeing that. There's a lot that happens across this, what, like 760-whatever pages mm-hmm. of book. But why do you think Growling included Harry not only balancing like Boldy, but also like, you know, all of the angst, his owls, like they put all the teenage bullshit alongside of the big bad. Why do you think they did that?
1: Because she wants to torture Harry. <laughs> <laughs> So I just think she was just showing all aspects of him. He's having to do these adult things, but he's still a child. He's still having to worry about his first little kiss, which made me so uncomfortable. when he was like, it was really wet. She was crying. i was like, (laughs) no. And he still has to pass his owls because he has to worry about his future. (laughs) Yes, he's doing all these adult issues but he's still just a child i think she was trying to remind us that
0: no i i agree i think that's really what it was it's like he has to worry about all this mundane stupid shit like in the background but also try and figure out how to fight off one of the greatest wizards of the age so outside of hermione of course
1: well we talked about sirius before in the third book
0: how do you feel about him in this book? It's tough. My relationship with Sirius Black has definitely changed since I was a kid. It's hard to see him and Molly, especially, fighting over Harry because I think at the end of the day, they both just want what's best for him. Mm-hmm. I just think Sirius is a little bit more selfish about it. And I don't think he has the understanding that Molly does because Molly is at the end of the day, a parent and Sirius has been a godparent for what, like two years now. And he is also somebody you need to guide and look out for. And Sirius does, you know, he cares about Harry very much so, but he confuses him with James constantly. Because he lost, how much, what, like over a decade of his life Mm -hmm. in Azkaban? So obviously, mentally, he's still kind of that person. I struggle with Sirius in this, but at the end of the day, I know he loved Harry. He will fucking do anything for him. And it still guts me what happens to him in this book, truly. So
1: I had a lot of the same points. I think when they said he was 20 years old, which and then for a decade, like you're 20 to 30s, you're locked in this prison by yourself. I mean, you're stunted in a lot of ways. I didn't hate Sirius, but I will say the difference to me between Sirius and Molly as Sirius loves Harry as an extension of James. Like, Molly loves Harry because it's Harry. Rest in peace, Sirius. Uh,
0: well, there are quite a few big bads in this novel. There's a <laughs> lot going on. Uh, but let's talk about the one of the biggest and pinkest of the big bads, Umbridge. Do you think, in all of her pink glory, that Umbridge had malicious intentions? Or did she just want to believe, with everything in her power, that Lord Voldemort had not returned?
1: I think of Umbridge as those people who are like cult fanatics or something like that. Like they believe something so much they're, they are willing to let the world burn. I think towards the end, yeah, I think she was malicious as hell. She knew what she was doing was wrong. I, I don't believe that she cared one way or another if Lord Voldemort returned. I just think she was crazy obsessed with Fudge and the ministry. She was a psychopath. Like, full blown. At least Voldemort was just like, this is why I'm doing things. I'm straight bad.
0: I think she completely had malicious intentions. I think she was a horrible, vile, evil, racist person. I do not think there was a good bone in her body. And I do agree. I, I, I do say on one hand that she very much did not believe that Voldemort was back. The way that she was controlling the situation, too, was also her outlet to try and, like, not even deal with that possibility. But I agree. I think that if Voldemort wanted to align with her, she would have very much gone that route because a lot of their beliefs did align and they were the same in terms Mm -hmm. of like pure bloods and the way that they look at other creatures um, in the universe. Although Voldemort, you know, shifts the way he talks about like giants and things like that if they help him.
1: Who do you think would have been worse if left to take the full power, Umbridge or Voldy?
0: That is tough because Umbridge is organized and she is very methodical in the way that she took over and the way that she gained power. She very much reminds me of a dictator, like a Hitler type. Voldemort is a lot more chaos and flash and bang. And while there are a lot of things that are premeditated on his end, I feel like he's literally just flying by the seat of his clothes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he is just like winging it left and right. I think that Umbridge could actually have been worse than Voldemort, but obviously he was way more powerful than she Mm -hmm. would ever be in terms of um, magical abilities and also had the following she would never have. What about you? I
1: I agree a lot with your points. I, I think as Voldemort is very lazy in what he does. Like he always has somebody doing the work for him. Wormtail, the Death Eaters, Nagini, he's always had somebody who's just handling everything for him. So I don't think his reign would have been that long if somebody would have came out as a stronger wizard or witch, Hermione, and whooped his ass. But Umbridge, she wouldn't have lasted. Dumbledore could have wrapped her ass in a little water ball too and she would have drowned in the first 10 minutes. Wrote her
0: away. Yeah, yeah I know. Mean, The way she goes about it is just so sneaky. So she's very stealthy. Whereas I feel like Voldemort just wakes up and he's just like, where do I feel like causing chaos today? Like Mm -hmm. there just doesn't seem to be a rhyme or a reason really for him. Like we said, there are a lot of things that happen in this book and there are a lot of really pivotal moments when you read it back. But one of those was really, we got to see Neville um, and we also got to experience a lot more about what happened to his parents. Mm. We saw him interact with them at St. Mungo's. Were you shocked? A, by anything that happened with his parents, or the fact that Neville could have also been, quote unquote, the boy who lived.
1: So, when I first read this, uh, again, Team Neville all the time, all the way, I was already, I already loved Neville in the background. But when I read the part with him and his parents, and then his mom brings over that little rapper, and his grandmother's like, just take it. Just take it, you know, and then he, like, she goes, You can throw it away later. You have a whole thing of it. And he puts it in his pocket. No. I wanted to slap the shit out of Harry and be like, See, what is worse? Like, you know, to sit there and see your parents. They have no idea who you are. You know, they're, they don't even know who they are. Uh, kills me. Every time, every time I read that, I'm like, This is why I love Neville. This is why I'll forever stand for Neville. But when I first read it and I read the part about how it could have been Neville, that shocked the shit out of me. I had no idea. That was yeah. mind blowing
0: yeah the the part with his parents is absolutely devastating mm-hmm. you also get to see a lot more about why his grandmother is how she is mm-hmm. um because she has to be the one that's like neville just take it uh keep it moving you know because like that woman to try to have to deal with like her neville's parents in that capacity see her child like that like i can't even imagine so like to neville's grandmother who never gets enough credit in my opinion i fucking love that woman i know um, I love her. I hope we get to see more of her in her crazy outfits and her just. She's very no nonsense, and I love her. We need more of that in this world. So Mm. I hope we get to see more of her in the the series as well. Uh, Yeah, that killed me. It absolutely crushed me. Also, just learning what happened to Neville's parents because obviously they never really talk about it until this book. Yeah, when we get to all this all these revelations about the fact that Neville could have literally been Harry, mm-hmm. it is, it's is—it's one of those moments where you're like, it's truly just your circumstances because Neville, we see throughout the, the next few books, the fact that Neville could have very much done the job that harry is doing as well like he very much could have risen to the occasion so
1: yeah everybody counts him out but he mm-hmm. he really is a gryffindor through and through again we got a ton of backstory on the adults in this book did your opinion of snape change after reading the chapter snape's worst memory what about your opinion of daddy potter james
0: i don't i don't think your opinion could not not change after reading this and mm. seeing how it was when like Snape and James and Lily and all of them were in school. I think it was good to have this because everybody always kind of paints Lily and James as like these angelic creatures. And obviously Lily was, but James, like, come on, like look at who his friends are. There's no way, no, you know? So I think it was, it, it helps Harry see his dad as a human being. Like, he was not this perfect angelic creature. He was a human who made stupid decisions, too, but also loved his friends, loved Lily. And, like, that doesn't make him a bad person. The same way, you know, Snape's past doesn't make him a bad person. And obviously, we see that in the end. He is, in fact, a gem of a human. But I think this that was a really important backstory for um harry to have and for us to see for Snape and obviously i think this is probably when most of us started really appreciating snape as well or at least starting to like not hate him if you did hate him you're like oh wait wow okay i get it now i think when we're reading
1: this obviously it came out for kids like you know whatever kid was getting bullied read that and felt Mm -hmm. connected to snape and was like oh my god that's that's me. That before that, the first four books, Snape was like a very one-dimensional character. He just, yes. you know, that you had no background on him. So when she opened that door, I feel like a lot of kids probably felt so seen in that moment. I applaud her for doing that. Not for a lot of things she's done re- recently, but I will applaud her. For she's, that. A yeah. she's a trash human. She's a trash human. I was over Daddy Potter. As soon as I read that, I was like, you're out. I'm out. I'm out on you. I'm out on Sirius.
0: Lupin, you're cool. (laughs) like Fuck you. Lupin, you tried. (laughs) What are you going to do with these two? Like like, dumb and dumber. Yeah.
1: Again, I want a backstory. Go for the Marauder backstory. How did he go from such a shithead? And then like 18 to 20, he ended up married and
0: whatever with Lily. Give it to me. I want to know. I really want a Marauders backstory. That Mm -hmm. is like, that's all I want in my life. I would really like that. Mm -hmm. I also think it gave Harry a moment because I feel like Harry stacked himself up against his parents a lot. And I think it gave Harry a moment where he's like, Oh, you know what, I might actually be a better man or almost man than my dad. We've said this a million times. This is a a thick ass book. Okay, there is a lot that happens here. Umbridge gets like tossed into the wilds with the centaurs and the Weasley twins like make their grand exit. And Their Wizarding Emporium is born and we have all these shenanigans. We find the Dumbledore's army basically in the middle of the Ministry of Magic late at night fighting off Death Eaters because, you know, they're stupefying people left and right, which I think we'll talk about more when we get to the movie section. But there is a very pivotal scene where Sirius is killed and we lose him as he goes through that veil arch thing. Did you believe that Sirius was actually gone after the scene, or did you think that there was a way he was going to come back? I
1: thought for sure he was coming back. <laughs> I thought he was coming back somehow. I was like, this is a trick. You're not going to kill him off. She killed him off. I didn't think she was going to take out his godfather because she just, you know, took out his parents and now we're taking out his I was like, taking everybody. did read that the only reason she didn't kill the Weasley's dad was because she was killing everybody that was a male father figure in Harry's life. And she was like, that may be too much.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that would have have been too much. I can also concur. I would not have been pleased.
1: I remember crying at the end of this book when i first read it
0: yeah it was like we thought we were traumatized at the end of goblet of fire and then she was like hold my tea (laughs) like Mm -hmm. let me just really fuck you up for your entire childhood and life i think this was important for a lot of kids reading this though um understanding grief and you know death and i think it probably raised a lot of really big convos for people who are reading it because you're not used to this kind of stuff in kids books you know And obviously, this is kind of also where it started to not necessarily be such a kid's book. So yeah, I I didn't believe it either. I really thought he was going to pop back. Um, I think it took me a few chapters to realize like he's really gone the same way when Dumbledore dies. I didn't believe it either because he's like a master trickster. You know what I mean? And it's like he's always like, oh, look left. And then I'm doing something over here in the right. So I definitely didn't think Sirius was gone. So that was a blow. I felt so bad for Harry. And it did feel unfair considering he just got him back. Still very mad at that.
1: I will say in my head, Dumbledore is still alive. I still don't believe he's dead.
0: I know. He's going to pop up. They're going to have like a 2023 version of Harry Potter and like what it looks like now. And he's just going to pop up and be like, just kidding. Yeah, Mm -hmm. something.
1: Okay. So speaking of Dumbledore, he talks about why he basically ignored Harry, the whole book at the end and how it was not his greatest decision among other things he has done. He is human after all. Do you think that was a good decision on his part? Do you think he should have shared the connections and what was going on uh, with Voldemort and Harry to him ahead of time? Hindsight's twenty twenty, kind of thing.
0: I think I understand why Dumbledore would not have laid this on Harry as an 11-year-old first year or even a 12-year-old, but at this point, they're 15 and he's been through some shit. He literally had to watch Voldemort murder someone in front of his eyes. So I think that is the catalyst for, okay, we're going to tell him what's really going on so he knows what he is prepared for and what is coming at him and i think dumbledore did him a disservice by not explaining to him what was going on cuz let's be real harry's childhood ended the second cedric was killed in front of him like mm-hmm. there was there was no more of that for him
1: i kept thinking between him and as much as i love saying that uh, the The classes where he was just like okay hold on and then would it, like hit him with the doc clemency. I I, I'm butchering that I think it's like a clemency or something Clement, sure sure. the clementine classes <laughs> I just kept thinking dude nobody's telling him what he should be doing you're just throwing shit at him and hoping it sticks and he's coming out like what am I supposed to be doing mm-hmm. if, I agree with you his, his childhood ended after Cedric he had to bring back poor Cedric's body I don't know Dumbledore he always does this at the end of the book, he's like, well, I probably should have done that. Let me but tell I you didn't. all the things. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's been five years at this point, sir. Yeah. Let's change our ways, shall we?
1: I feel like Dumbledore's like a boomer and then Voldemort's a X,
0: and then Mary's yeah. a millennial. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Everything's getting thrown at him. We're not handling this shit well, but we're trying.
0: <laughs> I think he is actually millennial. Terry is actually millennial, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, Voldemort is a boomer, which is really funny, but... Mm. Well, let's get into the film adaption of this. So The Order of the Phoenix film was released in July of 2007 and was the second highest grossing film of that year. Despite Order of the Phoenix being the longest book in the Harry Potter series, the film is the second shortest and had another new director, David Yates, to lead the film towards the darker ending of the Harry Potter series as a whole. Where will this one stack up? Let's get into it. Cat. Was this film adaption a rage or a rave for you?
1: I'm going to say it was a rage for me. It's because they took out every single scene that I loved in the book and didn't put it in the movie. Also, the CGI on the centaurs is probably the oh, worst so thing mad. I've ever seen in my life. I will tell you, I don't know if anybody out there remembers this. The original Goonies had a giant squid in it. And it was so, it was so bad. They took it out. And that squid looked better than those fucking centaurs in this movie. I loved it. It was good. But out of the whole series, I did not like the adaptation they did from the books. What about you?
0: I would agree. I do. I like the movie. I'm I more so like the end of the movie. I think that's one of my favorite like fight scenes once they get into the ministry. like That whole saga, I love. But I agree. They took out or modified a lot of my favorite parts of this book. More so a rage than a rave. This needed to be longer. This is the biggest book in the series. We mm-hmm. needed three hours or you needed to cut it into two. I don't know what to tell you, but so much happens in this book and it is a disservice to people who didn't read it. They do not understand a lot. of. This.
1: How did you feel about the new character casting? Um,
0: I think Luna was spot on mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, she was exactly how I pictured her. Honestly, Luna annoyed me a wee bit. Um, I, I grew to love her, but she did annoy me. Umbridge was impeccable. Oh my God. Impeccable. And obviously, Bellatrix, like, come on, man, like that. I remember hearing her being casted for that role and just perfect. It's perfection. Mm-hmm. So they were spot on with this casting. Tom's was whatever.
1: I always wondered if they just decided they were like, Bellatrix, it's only going to be Helena Bonner Carter or no one kind of thing. Like, what yeah. amount of money do you want to do this movie? Kind yeah. of. There is no better casting in this whole series than her. But on and I will give Amada Staunton her. Flowers. She crushed a bread. I mean, I can't even look at her to this day without being like, you a hoe.
0: (laughs) I know. When she was passing in the crowd, I was like, I don't like it. But now when I (laughs) saw Harry Potter, I'm like, it's the queen. Like, it's so (laughs) weird. She, I mean, she just really towed that line of like barely controlled insanity. It was brilliant. Like, if you watch her back, she is such a fucking fantastic author, uh, author, wow, actor, uh, just absolutely smashed it as the Brits say.
1: I don't know if you ever saw the interview where they were interviewing Helena Butter Carter and she goes, I still have my wand. And anytime her, her kids' friends would come over, if they started like acting up, she would oh, like whip that. it out and like do the eyes and they'd all run screaming.
0: Mm-hmm. I would. I'd be like, fuck your boys, <laughs> <laughs> I would be so traumatized. Oh. I think the only one more terrifying would have been like if Voldy was your dad and yours. Like the Fines family honestly stresses me out. I don't <laughs> think I would want to be a part of it. No. I I.
1: Will will say though there was a part in the movie when you know Harry gets possessed by Voldemort and he's looking in the mirror and then Voldemort's in his clothes and I was like did you guys really dress pretty- Voldemort, in Why the is Voldemort in
0: a <laughs> fucking hoodie no oh, nose ho- gray hoodie. no nose hoodie. like
1: cargo pants i was dying dying guys
0: he probably had carrie's converse <laughs> on too like i can't take you seriously if we're sitting there in a hoodie and converse and no nose like what is happening well there was actually a lot of chatter uh as i was preparing for this episode about this being the weakest book of the series but one of the best uh adaptions i think i already know the answer to this but do you agree with this no no i don't <laughs> (laughs) I really don't know where that came from. And I, I I think they need to reread this book now and see how they feel about it if they think it's weak. Way too many important things happened and they did not happen in the movie. So... I, I don't agree with that. Either. I feel
1: like they took sections that weren't as necessary to the story and put it in, yeah. and then took things that were necessary to the story and were like, "Never mind." I think whoever made that statement didn't really read the book. A
0: lot of critics that said that. And I was yeah. like I don't agree with you. I don't you agree. Probably with should not do answer. your job. No. Oh, yeah. Okay, I have a question for you. After watching this, and it, it it didn't hit me when I'm reading the book, but it hit me watching the movie. Why can the ministry pinpoint your exact location? The time, the people around you, the weather, and then we're still using, like, lanterns for light. Like, what is happening in the wizarding world? I don't understand the technology here.
1: Also, in 2003, we definitely had email, so I don't know why they still still an owls.
0: But you get what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we're so technologically savvy that we can pinpoint all these exact details like, but we cannot have like electric lighting and it's the 90s when this is happening, but we can't have electric lights in Hogwarts. Like, what is happening here? <laughs> like, I just don't understand. And we're still using carriages. Like, what is going on?
1: Like, so. Dumbledore's like, <laughs> I don't like overhead lighting. It doesn't make me look Dumbledore's good. Dumbledore's
0: like Amish. I'm like, what is going on here?
1: Honestly, you know, if McGonag- when McGonagall's in charge, she's like, I'm remodeling
0: yes <laughs> yes we will have lights
1: <laughs> maybe they don't want an electric bill let's let's think about that
0: <laughs> yeah they just created like wizards like what
1: we talked about it before the scene where petunia gets sent the owl from dumbledore re her promise was omitted from the movie do you think it would it added to the movie or do you think it's like okay that it, they
0: cut it out Well, they added Petunia in her little pinup outfit. Um, Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. think that really added to the movie, actually, Mm -hmm. Uh, opening scene of her just little Mm pinup 1950s glory. I think they thought that that would make up for the fact that they were not going to include this incredibly important moment. So great idea whoever made that decision. Um, I mean she looked fantastic as she you sure did they omitted such a vital scene because they have literally omitted everything from these movies about how about any mention of the relationship between petunia and Lily honestly until I think the last movie they mentioned something mm-hmm. um, maybe I'm making that up but I think it pops up in the last movie but no I don't think it's okay and I think it was a disservice
1: she was hot to trot, and and I will give. I really need to learn that actress's name, but she, she looked good. Good for you, girl. You got the legs. But I, of course, was very upset that that scene was left out because. Yeah. And it also would have shown that she has some kind of backbone against her husband, which would Correct. have. Correct. Nice. Correct. Given her a little more depth as well. Mm hmm.
0: Uh, well, during this rewatch, uh, Ron was and is in this movie very much in the background, uh, whereas in the book, not as much. They took out. Several of his storylines, one major one being his whole storyline with Quidditch being taken out. I think until, what, the next movie? We don't see anything about Ron and Quidditch. How do you feel about that? What are your thoughts here?
1: I feel like Ron was such a background in the background And then in the background, some more character in this movie that half the time you forgot he was there. And I'm not sure why even Hermione wasn't as strong of a character in this movie as she has been in other ones. I guess maybe they're trying to show that Harry's isolated. Maybe that's where Yates was trying to go with this. I'm not really sure, but I... Did not like what they took out that storyline. They took out the prefix storyline. They took out any storyline that didn't have to do with Harry. We could have added a little bit more. We would have all watched, sat there for three to four yeah. hours to watch a movie. So We
0: did it for Lord of the Rings. We sure would have done it for Harry Potter. So. Oh,
1: what do you think?
0: No, I, I agree. They... There was a lot of character growth for Ron in this book, Mm -hmm. and we got to see him kind of come into his own. He was finally a prefect. Everybody thought it was going to be Harry, but it was finally Ron had something of his own. Him and Ginny basically led the Gryffindor team um, to victory in this book, if I remember correctly, and we saw none of it. We didn't get to see any of Ron minus Harry. Like Ron kind of came into his own in this book. But you know what, David Gates, I have to say, shame on you, shame on your family, shame on your cow. Like, I don't think you did this (laughs) correctly. All right. Before Joffrey and before Ramsey
1: Bolton, who is also a psychopath, we had Umbridge. I will say, let's give a huge hand once again to Imelda Stanton for rocking Umbridge's part. But some would say she was worse in the book. What did you think of her portrayal book to movie?
0: I thought she did a really great job of... Portraying Umbridge. Like I said, she she really captured that borderline between uh her insanity and her complete loss of control. And I've never seen somebody make the color pink look so evil. So that mm-hmm. was uh <laughs> like a hand clap just for that. Where it might have differed from the book is just the fact we did not see as much of what she was doing in the movie as we did in the book because there wasn't enough time to really see all of what she was doing. But I, I do think they did spend quite a bit of time showing the impact she. Had on the school. I don't really agree with that. I think there were other things that they definitely left out.
1: Don't you just wish that, <laughs> like, somebody would have gotten her in the end, just like really? taking her out and like if she showed up in the war just been like Ooh, oops i'm a I would enjoy that with McConaughey.
0: i think it was fitting her end because she basically was like tortured to insanity by creatures that she looked down upon so i do actually think that was more fitting than somebody just giving her an easy way out Um, Because, you know, that was literally her worst possible scenario. She would have much preferred somebody just zap her and her been done. But instead, she got literally her worst case scenario. So I think think it was actually quite fitting how she went out. (laughs) So watching this movie, there are some weird glances. And there's a lot going on with uh, the actors who portrayed Lucius and Bellatrix. And I don't know if it's the actors or if it's them in character or what is going on. But like, in the film version of Harry Potter, do you think that Lucius and Bellatrix have ever hooked up? They have truly, really strange chemistry. Like, even when they're in the ministry, she's like giving him googly eyes or he's like pointing his wand at people. She's like, Ooh, I was like, What is going on here? They're, that's your sister in law. I'm creeped out.
1: I'm going to be real. I think Death Eaters has had orgies over the years. Yeah. So, I think everybody yeah. has banged everybody at some point.
0: Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, like, oh my god, Bellatrix, reel it in, lady. Reel it in. He is married to your sister. Although you two probably would have been more fitting, but
1: I don't doubt it. I think the de- death theaters had like quarterly orgies or something. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> when Voldemort was out, they just like hit the death
0: mark and then they were like, All right, meet up in field, 217 PM. We'll just get it started then. <laughs> it makes complete sense. So obviously it leads into uh, the the very last Harry Potter stage play as well. So Okay, so this is the first and last time
1: we will ever see Dumbledore let loose because they canceled the Fantastic Beasts series. So we were shortchanged on that. Were you impressed by their dueling scene or did you find it lacking?
0: No, I think that was actually like my favorite. Like I said, literally from the second we got into the ministry through the end of that like Harry possession weird moment, that was literally my favorite section of this entire movie. I thought they did such a good job in that section. I love seeing the ministry, all of the like memory Mm -hmm. orbs. And I was like, oh, you just lost so much history. I really hope you have digital backups of that. Like, I was (laughs) like, oh, that's so bad. Um, But I just thought like the cinematography was incredible. I thought the acting was incredible. That duel is probably one of my favorite things um, in this whole series, like actual duel between the two, because they were actually a matched pair in terms of their abilities. And it was like the first time we actually got to see the two of them really go at it with each other. Because it's always like Voldemort and a child, a Death Eater and a kid. It's never like, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's never like, bam, bam. So yeah, that was actually one of my, my favorite, favorite scenes, hands down. What about you?
1: I, I just wish I would have seen, I guess, a little bit longer of it because I felt like that was the first time we got to see real magic. Like there was exactly a real magic going on. We weren't seeing Stupify. We're God, Miliosa, you know, yeah. what, I wanted more of it. I, I was like, I want to see somebody get their ass kicked. Bring a tornado in. What else can you do? Mm-hmm. Splinter them like glass. I loved it, but I wanted more of it. I would have liked the scene to have been a little bit longer.
0: I also really love how Dumbledore always calls Voldemort by his, like, government name. I know. What's up? Tom. Like, it's so funny funny because it just the second he sees Dumbledore he gets pissed off like the amount of expressions he can make without a nose is really interesting but he just his whole face like dropped when Dumbledore like came through that fireplace and I was like what up bitches you know he's like hey Tom (laughs) what's good okay well we we have talked about a lot of scenes uh and a lot of things that we were upset didn't make it in but which one if you could pick one would you have liked for them to add in because there were a lot of things that did not make it in we saw nothing about... I'm going to call him Firenze. I'm going to call him his Italian name. Uh, we saw nothing about him teaching in Hogwarts. We saw nothing about... I, I will also say the Weasley twins exit is also one of my favorite parts of the book. And they, they squished it down and took out so many of the most epic parts of that exit. I was also upset about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed that in itself to be like 20 full minutes of just the chaos because I was like explaining to John who did not care <laughs> about how much was actually <laughs> about how much was actually going on when the Weasley twins made their exit. I was like, you don't understand. They had like whole corridors that were like flooded and like all this chaos. And then peeves came in and they were like, give them hell. And he was like, Yes, masters. And then just like started all this chaos for like the rest of the time Umbridge was there. The teachers were rebelling because they they'd be like, Why is there still a swamp in like corridor three? And Flip would be like, Oh, what? I what are you talking about? Like it's just so funny. And we didn't get to see it. Anyway, sorry. Extended rant.
1: <laughs> He's like Wingadium Leviosa. That's exactly. He's I like, know.
0: Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. I have forgotten. I must have gotten hit with a spell. I just forgot everything. Whoopsies. It's so funny. But anyway. What um, scene would
1: you like have liked to see in the film? I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, if my number one would be Neville and his grandmother with uh, his parents because they do talk about his parents, and they completely cut out that Neville could have been the other chosen one. Which okay, fine, I guess so. But I did want them to be in St. Mungo's. They didn't even go to St. Mungo's. There was no St. Mungo's. There was nothing. He just. Oh, he's here. He's fine. So I would have liked that moment because, again, I just don't think Neville really had his chance to shine in the series. And I guess, like, if Ron's not shining, Neville's definitely not getting his chance. And that would have been my number one. And then my number two would have been Petunia um and her remember my last uh mine's always gonna be neville i really wanted them to cast his grandmother she was probably top five favorite characters out of the whole book out of all the bajillion characters there were she was (laughs) definitely up there i loved her i wanted to see her vulture hat i wanted Mm -hmm. i wanted the full thing
0: hopefully we'll get all that in the series um I agree, though. I think the the top scenes would have been with Neville and the parents at St. Mungo's. And I think it would have tied in nicely with some of what we saw happen during Battle of Hogwarts and understanding like the importance of Neville stepping up the way he did was because he's literally like could have been the chosen one. This all mm-hmm. could have been him. And again, people who only watch the movies, you don't understand why it's so important because they took this out. So yes, I think those would be my top three as well. I would have the scene with Neville, his grandmother, and his parents. Um, obviously, everything with Petunia and Lily. And then third, my extended Weasley exit scene. I needed it. But you had to have Peeves in there, too, which they fucked that up, too. Yeah.
1: Peeves you know, such a they, – they did Peeves so wrong.
0: It's, it's uh, annoying because he doesn't even – you don't even need that much screen time for him. But people just need to know who he is. So when there's moments like this, they understand why it's epic. So, Mm -hmm. in
1: the book, was it McGonagall was like, she said something to Peeves, like she helped him with something. She was like, it's the left one and then kept it moving. I was like, I would
0: have loved to have seen that exactly (laughs) during the chaos. And I'm like, you don't understand how chaotic this was. This wasn't just a one hour thing, this went on for like weeks of them trying to like clean everything up and Peeves just continuing to fuck shit up. Did you notice any growth
1: in? the actors from movie and the previous four?
0: Well, we didn't really get to see much of Hermione and Ron, like you said, mm-hmm. other than some of their like giggling moments uh, when she was trying to explain, when Hermione was trying to explain human emotions to uh, Harry and Ron and like said, you know, you have the emotional depth of a teaspoon, like, and they were just all <laughs> cracking up. Like, I loved those scenes. So I feel like you got to see some of their real friendship as well. But I would say, like, the possession scene, again, minus the weird hoodie and converse with Boldy. I thought that was the first time towards the end of that, like, A, Harry's reaction to Sirius, and then literally pulled through this entire scene with Dumbledore into the possession. I felt like that was the first time that Daniel Radcliffe was not like a child actor. He was an actor. Like, he was actually showing his growth as. In his craft. So I, I was like, kudos to you, Daniel. Look as you go. And how can you not, being surrounded by all those incredible actors, how can you not like absorb some of that greatness? So
1: I mean, I think Daniel Radcliffe really shown in this movie. I think mm-hmm. he was great in the last movie, but I mean, I think he really came into his own in this movie. I'm not gonna say anything for Rupert Grant or Hermione because I feel like they're very underutilized. We didn't get
0: the screen time.
1: And it's and it and to be honest, like it would have been hard because you had Helena Bonham carter in there who literally anytime she came on screen, she stole the show. And Amandasana mm-hmm. was, I mean, she stepped into that role and crushed it. So to be honest, it was hard to even look at anybody else besides those two villains. Cause they were, so they good. were amazing. They were amazing. Hands down. Yeah. Like Bellatrix is one of the people I'm nervous about them recasting. Cause I'm like you who she was like made for that role. Mm-hmm. Did you think there was anything they did better in the film versus the book.
0: I think the fight scene in the film was great. And I think it was, not, it was cool to see it. So I loved that. Um, but I also loved um, just some of the funny moments. Arthur taking Harry to the Ministry of Magic. Has to be one of the best moments of the Arthur Weasley and Harry moments because he is just ridiculous from start to finish. From being in like a full squat on like the escalator, like what is happening to like admiring all the like ticket turnstiles, and he is just living his best little life. He like forgets how to walk at one point because I like, <laughs> oh, we walk, oh, we walk normally, okay. Like it was just like what doing it's such a small moment but it's so fucking funny it is so funny so i think some of those just like little moments that they they threw in there that just kind of brought the mood up a little bit
1: (laughs) i think my favorite thing and again they seem to really hit this out of the park in every single movie is the settings they build out with the ministry is just i mean they really do bring that world to life and it holds up and they really do a great job, like pulling from the book and like being like, "All right, we're gonna take it up to 11 as Jen Comfort would say. Really, just making it to life, like when all the flu networks were coming in, the bright greens coming, and it's just one like that. And even when they're in the Department of Minish- Mysteries and the Death Eaters are flying in with all the black, and I, I mean, that.
0: that was great. The but- Death Eaters have the coolest entrance out of anybody. It, it was so cool, and the CGI holds up. I don't know what happened with some of these other moments in this movie but the like that's, bars, so cool
1: stuff. Oh, that's how i view them starting their orgies they just come in in a bunch of black and it's like they're all in and trouble.
0: they're just like swirling around each other mm-hmm. and then they're just like full-on fucking on like a mm-hmm. hill somewhere yeah mm-hmm. probably
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> i will die on this hill if they would have made these movies six hours long we would have sat there for six hours right. Give but us permission.
0: Give it streaming the TV shows. Yeah. yeah, we do that.
1: We would have so done it. You guys decided to make them short and I don't understand why. So this
0: could have been Netflix before Netflix. They literally mm-hmm. could have made a TV series adaption, a very well done TV series adaption of Harry Potter. And this could have completely changed our history of streaming services because it would have done it justice. Yates,
1: I expected more, but whatever.
0: Yes. Well, any parting thoughts on Order of the Phoenix or its film adaption besides all the justice we need for the parts I didn't make it in.
1: You know, that's about it. I will still say I really wish Neville's grandma was casted. But reading this as an adult, if you have never done a harry potter reread as an adult i do highly suggest it. i think everybody this was the weakest book when we were all kids but i think when you reread it now you'll totally take that back give it another chance
0: definitely great it hits differently if you haven't watched a movie or the, se- the movie series definitely do that uh there's nothing better than watching hermione call ron ronald for two hours and 18 minutes <laughs> I think that was hilarious it's very virgo of her and i love her so much <laughs> But rate, we want to hear from you. How did you feel about the film adoption of The Order of the Phoenix? Email us at hello at com, or DM us on Insta at pagerage underscore podcast. And of course, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast network.